Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter-day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings, from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Welcome back, Scriptorians. This is Lori, and we are still on First Nephi chapter 1 right. in Come Follow Me for 2020. I want to give a big shout out to all the listeners. We had a huge increase. I'm assuming we all are so excited to get back uh, to studying for the year, starting a new text, especially the Book of Mormon that's so beloved, and probably some New Year's resolutions and recommitment. But I do have a favor to ask you if you would please uh, share, share the podcast, uh, share some comments with me on either Facebook site or the Podomatic site and tell me what you like, tell me what you hope we did more of. Uh, I, I feel like I'm, I know all of you, uh, but I, I don't. So anyway, please do me a favor, share the podcast. It helps get the word out and uh, I don't make any money by this or anything like that. It's just something that I'm hoping to share. So please help me out. All right. So where were we? So we have talked about a number of issues and I realize everybody that I am going at a glacier pace that we're supposed to be moving on to like through chapter seven and I'm still on verse eight or whatever of chapter one. So um, next in the next one, what we'll do is is kind of head into the scriptures themselves. But today, the, the topic that we want to do is kind of I mentioned it as the part, fourth part, but I'm gonna do it today. And that is how to read scripture and how to, how the text is going to tell us how to read itself. And so if um, this is one of my absolute favorite parts, so I'll go, oh, uh, give it a chance. I think this is one of the most beneficial things that I've been taught over the years, still learning, just, just barely learning how to do. But it's really changed the way that I look at scripture. It gives me a lot different insights and, and just opened up some of these books in a way that I had never seen before. And, and some of it call it a rabbinical approach and how um, uh, Jewish uh, studies go. And so I'll share that a little bit. And then we're going to actually show how to do that a little bit in First Nephi since we're starting a new book and a new whole um, set of canon, a whole set of books. <clears throat> okay, so that's what we're going to do today. So we're going to talk about liter how to look at the literature, how to read a rabbinical approach, how to, to look at what the text is telling us, how to read this story. All right, so when you think about when you read scripture, how do you do it? Or how have you been taught in the past? So it may have been in a, a Sunday school class. It may be something you learned in seminary. It may be just uh, something that you just, you're you know new to the gospel and you're like, I just barely learned this. Do you think that mostly you're like, do I just, I just kind of read through a chapter? Or if you're doing a class, do you just kind of look at a verse or a quote? Maybe just a few lines and phrases. Um, that. That's mostly, it's kind of the quotation approach 
It's one that we learn in seminary with scripture mastery, right? You find a verse or two and it tells you a doctrinal point and you, you learn to memorize those so you have some place to go and know. And then the other is kind of a quotation you just learn. It's almost like memes on social media, right? Something you can throw up with a clever quote. Um, and, and they're fantastic. So don't get me wrong. These are fantastic. These are just how we do it. Uh, no fault intended. But think of even the theme for what would you say would be third Nephi, or First Nephi chapter 3. You'd say, I will go and do the things that the Lord hath commanded, right? Your quotation. You'll just grab the smallest possible bit and use it. Now, there's some really great parts with that. It's called the quotation approach, um, and it's one that we've all learned. It's a really great place. It's usually where we start, right? What happens, what's going on, and but it, it breaks it down into the smallest bit. So it's, it's kind of going from the smallest, and then you kind of maybe go out. You might read a verse or two around it. Um, it's a great way to start. However, what happens when we do that sometimes is that's not how the authors wrote it. They didn't write it like that. They wrote in a story. And so let's let's go through that. So let's take a pause. And instead of saying the small method, let's review how to look at it in the big picture. Um, and then we'll come back and do a little bit of a, kind of a four-step process you see in rabbinical literature. So when you think of a story, you think of, a, you know, kind of a beginning, middle, and end. And typically the story is a series of small, little stories. So think of the first Nephi story and the first really chunk in First Nephi is the story of getting the brass plates. So it starts where we're just starting when you're introduced to Nephi and his family. And then they're told to leave. They leave and then they go back to get the plates. And then the brothers and the beating them up and all that. And then, and then at the end they come back. And that really goes through chapter 5. So And in the original Book of Mormon, chapters 1 through 5... Nephi's chapter one there there looks to be a break in the plates around that time they might not have said chapter but there's a break so chapter one through five is the first story right the source narrative in that story are little smaller stories the story of so one of the ones that we know is that I will go and I will do right Lehi says go back and and get the plates and Nephi says I'll go and, and then you have, you know, do another little vignette when they get there and they cast lots. And then you have another little vignette when um, the whole story of, of Laban. And it's kind of this, this piece seems to be kind of the big part of the story of this whole chapter five is Nephi's there, Laban's drunk on the ground. And does he kill him or doesn't he? And then they come back and even Sariah has been grumbling a little bit and, and they do it. So there's kind of this this rising action and then it falls off that story tells a slightly different overview of I will go and I will do than just I will go and I will do so if we take that whole plot and the bunch of little stories within we might not say I will just go what God has commanded we'll see but sometimes there are going to be some pretty tough ramifications Nephi has to kill Laban not only that, he risks his own life. Then he comes out and, and uh, Zoram follows him. And now they're responsible for Zoram. And the family members are complaining. And the brothers are beating him up all the time. I mean, there's just, when we say, I will go and do what the Lord hath commanded, because he makes a way for us to do it, right? My paraphrase. That story is more poignant when we say, what about the whole Laban story? What about... 
getting the plates and how important the plates are going to be and the book is going to be for all of their generation. We're going to see it countered by the Mulekites don't bring a book. The eighth, um, Book of Ether, they kind of lose their book. We see the book that we get, the Book of Mormon, how important it is to it, us to get the covenants and the fullness of the gospel. So one through five tells a bigger story that has a bigger application than just well, I'll do what the Lord commands. Nothing wrong with that. It's it is a it's exactly right. However, I think Nephi's trying to tell us something bigger. So when we read narrative, when we read stories, one of the things that has really helped me is to take the bigger picture and kind of think through, just like we just did, the whole story. What's the beginning? What's the middle? What's the end? What do you think the, you know, the little stories of about five or six little vignettes and it led to this one big killing of Laban and the therefore what? Is there a theme in there? And then what was Nephi trying to say about his experience with the Lord? Why were these plates so important? Why was the Lord commanding them to go back and do such a, a tough thing? And then we can say, well, what does that mean for us? What does that mean about the Book of Mormon that we have? What does that mean when the Lord says, when I tell the Lord, I will go and do? So that's one way. And as you read in 1 Nephi, and we'll do this a little bit next time, but you'll see he talks about how challenging things were. And then he said, but the Lord has tender mercies, right? He's going to bless us, even though these things are going to be really hard. And then he goes on to tell us how hard they really were. So he's going to tell us a little bit how to read the book. Okay, let's, let's go there. Let's go back to First Nephi and let's look at it for a second. All right, let's see if, if we kind of think through that chapter one through five or the first original chapter of First Nephi. We just kind of did it, the getting it. We'll just call that the go getting the brass plates section. Um, Nephi, we, we talked a little bit about the background when we did the Lehi in the last two podcasts. But in this one, we're going to see some stuff about Nephi. And we hear, you know, he's the introduction. He tells himself, you know, I've been born of goodly parents. I was taught this way. I'd seen a lot of afflictions. Wait a minute. Something right there jumps out at me. Having seen many afflictions in the course of my days, nevertheless, having been highly favored of the Lord in all my days. Yay. Having had a great knowledge of the goodness of the mysteries of God, I make a record of my proceedings. I think that right there, that second half of that verse is the theme of this first five chapters, okay? And here's how I know. Keep going. Because he, he talks a lot about a book. There's a record. And I have had a lot of afflictions, and yet the Lord has blessed me. I've been favored. I've had knowledge and goodness and the mysteries, and I'm going to make a record of it. Isn't that exactly what we're going to see in the next five chapters? A lot of afflictions, and yet the Lord gives them blessings, and he gets a record. There it is right there. Then he goes on, yeah, I make a record in the language of my father, right, etc. And I know that the record I make is true, and I make it with mine own hand, and I make it according to my knowledge. So he's testifying about this record. There is a lot here, much more than just this view, but just to, to illustrate this uh, kind of literary uh, approach. So keep going and go down for a minute. He goes back and he's going to say these things are going to be, we talked about Lehi, and then he jumps back down to, to verse 17. But I shall make an account of my proceedings in my days. Behold, I make an abridgment of the record of my father upon the plates, which I've made with mine own hands. Wherefore, after I've abridged the record of my father, then I will make an account of my own life. 
So he's like, I'm making my own record. This is a past view, right? And we know it's like 30 years later, right, that he's writing this. But he gives us again a little bit of, of kind of an overview. Therefore, I would that you should know that after the Lord has shown so many marvelous things unto my father, Lehiye, concerning the destruction of Jerusalem, behold, you went forth among the people, began to prophesy and declare unto them the things which he had both seen and heard. And they mocked him. And he talks about things he read in the book and also the coming of a Messiah. And when the Jews heard these things, they were angry with him, even as the prophets of old, whom they had cast out and stoned and slain. And, and they also sought his life that they might take it away. But behold, oh, here's the theme. I, Nephi, will show unto you that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith to make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance. If I underline, but behold, I, Nephi, will show thee. He's going to say, I want to show you that even though when it gets really hard, that the Lord is going to give tender mercies to those. I think could be the whole of First Nephi, could be the whole Book of Mormon, but I definitely think for the first five chapters. And I think he's going to show us that here. Okay, so what do you think about that? If you take a step back from these books, and again, mostly narratives, meaning a story, and you can do the quotation view where you're looking at the little quotes, I will go and I will do, or you can kind of say, what's this whole story? You're super used to stories. You've watched them. You've read them your whole life. You kind of know how stories go. You might have characters. There might be a plot. There might be an event. But the stories are going to, there's more to it. And right here, Nephi is going to tell us, the text is going to tell us how to read the text. I'm going to show unto you the tender mercies that the Lord shows. And then he goes through and shows how he's beaten up and nearly slain. And then he had to kill a man. And then his parents thought he was dead and his brothers think he's crazy. I mean, oh, right. This has to be one of the most challenging events in Nephi's entire life. And he's not going to hide from it. He's going to tell us. So we're going to say, wow, when I say I will go and I will do. Wow. I, even when I have really challenging things, but the Lord's going to be there. Maybe not the way we were expecting, or, but he's always going to live up to his promises. What do you think? Does that help you in these stories? Wow, this one, this has just helped me immensely. So first thing I do is try to say, what's the story? Like, what's the bigger story? It could be the entire book, or in this case, it would be kind of chapters one through five, since that's how Nephi broke it up. I think he's trying to tell me something as the author, so he's going to break it up. You could even look at the whole of first Nephi, right? You could look at the whole of first and second Nephi and, and kind of say, well, what's kind of the general steps and just kind of just lay it out in your mind. Don't go crazy. Just little things like then he went here, then he went here like we did. Then try to see, well, what are the themes? What's what am I getting out of this? And maybe you'll have some ahas. Then here's the big next kicker. What does that mean for me in my life? What does that teach me about the Lord? What does that teach me about the Savior and his gospel and him dealing with me? I will go and I will do, right? Now that quote in context and when the story means so much more to me. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I hope you love that too. We'll keep practicing it. And then when you do poetry and some of the letters, there's a different way to look at them. But stories are the great ones. Story, we know it, right? Just think of the whole story. Okay, let's do the second part of this. Uh, when we look at scriptures, 
one of the things that is is helpful to look at is how to look at them. So the, there's usually a kind of a four-step process. Um, there's an acronym, but um, it's in Hebrew, so I'll just tell you what the four steps are. The first one is they look at is just the plain what happened, who, what, when, where, right? So when you look at a story, especially when we start, that's where we all start. And this is always part of the fun. So in the Nephi story, you read it, what happened? Who was he? What happened? Who are the characters? Who is Lehi? Who is Sariah? Um, who was, uh, you know, Nephi, Laman, Lemuel, Sam, Nephi's the youngest. You kind of get the story. They're in Jerusalem. Oh, no. And then, you know, they leave and, oh, their stuff is gone. And, and then they go back. Oh, and then they get Ishmael. Oh, you know, so you kind of go, okay, I got the story. I got the story. And so it's the first place we have to start. Who, what, when, where? What happened? That's the first step. The second step is kind of where we start to look at the allegory. And as members of the church, I've noticed we are exceptional, exceptional at this step. Meaning we try to take the whole story. We kind of look at the theme. We tend to see a greater meaning there, right? We try to see, hey, this theme is somewhere else in the gospel. This story of an exodus to a delivery, a deliverance to a promised land in Nephi is like the exodus and the deliverance to a promised land in Exodus, right? We, we start to see that he's the youngest brother, like the youngest, like Joseph of Egypt was the youngest brothers and his brothers kind of did him wrong and he's going to save his family. We see um, also other parallels um, in Lehi being a prophet, we see Sarai being a, um, Sarai being a, a parent and, and being very involved here in the beginning. Uh, you hear a lot about her and very involved with the family. And so you start to say, like the matriarchs of Genesis, like Rebecca and Sarah, and um, uh, it just goes on and on, right? Leah, Rachel, you start to see these, these um, women having this big role and you see the parallels. So we do well at that allegory. We see the whole story, we see themes, we see comparisons, we see how it fits in the bigger picture, right? And that's where you start to use some of those kind of uh, things you learned in high school literature, right? Allegory, similes, things like that. That one's great. The third one is another one that I think even more than allegory, we're really great at, and that's application, right? How do we take that story and say, well, what does that mean to us today, either in the picture for the gospel or me and my family or me and myself, is application. So what happens first? Allegory second, application's third. The fourth one's what's called mysticism, and that's where you usually get a lot of, like, symbols and numbers and things. You're probably a lot less familiar with that, um, and it depends on the kind of literature it is, but those are those are the four. So um, there's a good example I like in of this mysticism thing in ancient uh, Judaism where they would look at the story of Abraham and Eleazar. Eleazar was his servant, and they're going to go down and uh, free Lot um, from being captured by these kings. And, and it says he goes down, um, Abraham goes down with his 318 men. And the name Eleazar, numbers and letters in Hebrew are the same. So Eleazar's name means 318, and that means God is my helper. Um, and so maybe it was just Abraham and God that went down, the Lord that saved. And they're like, oh, so deep, right? So you can see I, it takes me even a while to explain it, um, but that's kind of that level that may or may not be there. Um, but certainly was something they like to look for. And some of those ancient writers definitely put that stuff in there. 
with numbers and symbolism. So this isn't the mysticism like wackadoo stuff. It's it's just how the books were written. Some books today are, are not written quite like that, so you don't want to read too much into them. But those are the four. Okay, so let's go through them again. What happened? Allegory, application, mysticism. So as you read through the Book of Mormon, you might try some of those things. You might say, look at those and see if that helps your study or gives you a new way to look at them. Or maybe you've never done allegory and you just go to application. Or maybe you've done a lot of the quotation version. I just take a little tidbit and really mull on that. That's fantastic. You might say, you know, I'm going to try to look at the bigger story. I haven't thought of it like that before and try to do those. All right, scriptorians, that is part three of First Nephi. What, how Nephi tells us to read his own text. Also, some tools for you to use. Um, I am absolutely love this part. I hope you love it too. Don't forget to share. Keep on reading. And next time, we will actually jump into First Nephi. I'll try to get through chapters one through five. Okay, keep reading. All right, one quick story before we go into how to study a little bit more.